Hooley. On the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. I can't be around to edit you 24 hours a day. It's exhausting. You're a journalist. Yeah. The truth matters and facts matter. And I'm assuming accuracy still matters. It matters. Maybe not in today's (laughs) journalism, but from the Bruce Bruce Hooley School of Journalism. Under this roof. It it matters. Matters here, yeah. Yes. 29th pick overall, Bruce. Don't. Here's a kid. Lesson, kid. Don't work off your memory. Look it up. Now that you've heard that, it on sounds better Instagram than Instagram and everything. Did you um, adequately rebuke me <laughs> as a Christian brother for my egregious <laughs> mistake of saying you were the 30th overall pick in the 1988 NFL draft uh, when you were in actuality the 29th overall pick? Have you satisfied? Yes. Do we need to go back to that? And uh, I have, but okay. what it's taught me, it's exhausting because I got a lot on my plate. Oh, now I got to add the editing to yeah, my plate, and do. I have to read through your Twitter, which is, by the way, yeah. since we are in, in our podcast and we're talking to our friends, presumably. Wednesday edition, Spielman and Hooley, We Tackle Life. Um, I got to commend you on oh, how great. you're handling... <laughs> No, how you're handling and I mean, I just think you... Handling I, what? Your responses in Twitter. They're okay. not, you know, you don't go after anybody personally. You're just pointing out things that you believe are facts, and they are facts about constitutional rights and mm-hmm. everything like that. And I get the passion and understand the fear uh, that some people have. I yeah. understand the passion that some people have. And I just think uh, your behavioral change on how you're responding to Twitter uh, has been remarkable and fun to see and much more enjoyable where I don't feel uncomfortable reading some of your... No, I did. I mean, I'm just being honest. Like, some of them I did feel a little bit uncomfortable reading because I knew... Back in the day, you mean? Yeah, because I knew that wasn't the man that I knew. And the responses can still be vicious, but it doesn't affect how you respond... Back. So I just think it is a good lesson in one that I put into practice and it's been put into practice on me when a friend or somebody who truly cares about you or there's an accountability factor points something out where somebody doesn't take it personal. You sit there, you think about it. Well, maybe that's a good point that I can try to put into practice. And you have done that in a, in a, in a remarkable way. And for me, I can only speak for me and my experience. Mm-hmm. It's been enjoyable to read the back and forth and for you not to get personal on other people when quite, quite clearly they think they're very clever and funny and they get personal on you. Uh, you don't respond to that. You respond to it with facts and like an adult. And it goes to what we've been talking about, about trying to talk to people. Yes. Instead of trying to mock them or talk over them, so it's been uh, I've enjoyed it. I mean, I, I like I actually search B Hools now. Wow, it's because I, I enjoy your opinion. I agree with your opinion, uh, but I also I have an understanding of where fear can come from. And my only piece of advice, and what I continue to do as we step one day closer. Toward a, a responsible, as I think Governor DeWine, a responsible reopening of Ohio, yeah. is that I ask people to be aware, to be responsible, but don't live with fear. And hopefully we can get to that point as a society. And I think we're moving in that direction. So I'm very optimistic today. Well, your affirmation would mean the world to me if you weren't my boyfriend. <laughs> 
what are you as talking one about? Twitter the- critic said, oh. you and your boyfriend, yeah, Chris Spielman. Well, I, again, I mean, so the, if he feel when when I get tweets like that, I I want those people. I hope that make. I hope you feel better. I really do by saying something. I hope you feel better. I hope you feel affirmed. I hope you feel justified. I hope you feel like you got one over on me. You got me. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And usually when you respond like that, then there's there's nothing you can say. But, it, I mean, a couple of the back and forth you had were uh, educational. I mean, one guy was pointing out le- legitimately what his concerns were, and yeah. then you were coming back. But you weren't coming back at him by attacking his feelings. You were just coming back with him by what, you, what is important to you, which is very important to you, and it should be very important to all of us, but it's not important to all of us, but to you and to many, it's very important. So it's just been a, uh, entertaining for me, and it causes me and allows me to see both sides, look at the information and where both sides are coming from, and making a decision on what side I fall on. So we thank will- you. We will get to the uh, NFL scheduling. Chris has news on that. Uh, we will get to Last Dance, which Chris has encouraged me to watch, the Chicago Bulls documentary, and name, image, and likeness uh, conversation today with uh, Gene Smith, Michael Drake, and the NCAA Poobahs. Uh We want to remind you that uh, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters is the official coffee of the Spielman and Hooley podcast. You can see on uh, the wall behind us if you're watching on YouTube or on a clip on Facebook that uh, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters can be reached at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Order your coffee, any flavor, any variety, breakfast blend, getting big reviews on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Nicaragua, Thailand, Ethiopia. Uh, we can recommend a type of coffee if you'd like for us to. Just reach out, Podcast at gmail.com or via our Twitter at We Tackle. But Hemisphere Coffee Roasters, their mission is to spread the gospel around the world, but they also are capitalists, and they got to make money, and we're about that as well, and they treat their people really well. A friend of mine ordered from Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. got a handwritten note of appreciation, nice. and they said they're trying to do that with every order to let people know that they appreciate it as a small business in a difficult time. Their retail store, obviously, you know, is uh, curtailed, mm-hmm. but they have social distancing observations. People want to visit their retail store in Mechanicsburg, but they appreciate the business, and we appreciate you supporting our sponsor. So HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. They'll donate your 15% discount uh, to COVID-19 relief and add to it. If you, in the comment section, note that you heard about them on the Spielman Hooley podcast, if you want the 15% discount, in all caps, use the promo code WETACKLELIFE. So HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Um, I didn't. I thought maybe I went over the line yesterday with a tweet where somebody was coming at me about you know the whole older people are at risk and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And I said, well, my my intention is if I go out and I see an older person, is I'm not going to go up and lick their face and spread my germs to them. That was probably over. The I line. can see how you can think that, but if I'm going to seriously be somebody that takes a uh, honest look at your tweets, which I think I have done mm-hmm. over the years. I think you're trying to make the point that I obviously I'm not going to be irresponsible and put somebody at risk. And people need to know that I think you still do. Do you wear a mask if you go to the grocery store or you go? We're going to talk about that. Okay. We're going to talk about that. I, but see, like, I have cousins who are 10 years and older than me who I mm-hmm. cherish very much. Your mother-in-law, Myra, is a delightful person. Your mom, Nancy, is a delightful person. I've met them. I would never do anything 
to cause them um, intentional uh, hun- uh, unrest, right. anxiety, or certainly nothing to put them in peril. You know, right. I, I just, no, I wouldn't. I have my compassion for them as such that I know Sherry's mom and dad are both still with us there in Arizona. Mm-hmm. I pray that Arnie, who's in his mid, mid-80s, is very careful and observes the social distancing guidelines. So all that said, you know, we always have to qualify that we're not, you know, uncaring people. But this mindset that has been given to me many times on Twitter, mm-hmm. Ryan is the person, the, late, the latest person to, to send this to me. And I just want to address this because I think it's productive to hopefully what we're having this conversation is about. It's not two guys griping about all. being sequestered or limited or whatever. Like I, I posted the other night, like, somebody please explain to me why driving ranges are closed. Not because I'm like, oh, I got to get out and hit golf balls. But some of the closures make no sense to me. Like, a dentist can be open, but a hair salon can't? Like, if you're talking about what puts people in closer social contact, it's dentists. I'm facing away from the person who cuts my hair. Mm -hmm. My wife's cutting my hair now, and she does a fine job. I may never go back and get my hair cut in public again because I find out I don't need it. She can do it. Ingenuity. But I'm just saying. Intervention. Some of these some of these prohibitions are are in my mind silly. You can't get within six feet of somebody at a driving range or you get hit in the head with a golf club. So Ryan comes at me with this whole like this logic. The economy can recover. We can't bring dead people back to life. If we can save one life by following the guidelines, we should. I find this argument illogical. I don't find it. I don't find it compatible with logic to say that if we can save one life, we should. I can save a lot of lives. I can outlaw abortion. I can save a lot of lives. I can outlaw alcohol. I can save a lot of lives. I can outlaw all drugs, some of which heal heal people via prescription, but some of which are abused, opioids, which a lot of people die by opioids. I can save a lot of lives by outlawing all air travel, all car travel. The argument that, well, this will save a life, so it makes sense. No, it doesn't make sense. Everything in life is risk-reward. Now, let me say this. If you're immunocompromised, my friend down the road, Sharon, she's immunocompromised. Mm-hmm. I don't want Sharon going out. I don't. I want her to be very safe. I want her kids to be very safe. They're coming home. I'm having a friend, Scarlett, same situation. But the thing that, you know, you also have people dying of, depression and you have people who are not going in and getting mammograms and people who are not going in and getting their hearts examined because I got a little thing in my chest and I'm not going in. Then you have a heart attack and die. If you'd gone in two weeks earlier, you'd have been looked at, you'd have been fine. So everything, everything, every, I'm trying to maintain my measured approach because I think it's more effective. Everything is a risk reward and you cannot eliminate risk. We started this whole thing to flatten the curve, keep our hospitals from being overwhelmed, ramp up our PPE equipment, ramp up our ventilators, all that. We have accomplished that. Not even New York City has been overrun. Mayor Cuomo himself said, as many deaths as they've had, Mayor Cuomo said, not one person has died because we couldn't get him a ventilator. We couldn't get him care. They've died because we couldn't help them mm-hmm. recover. But they've not died because of lack of medical care. So we've accomplished our goal. Now you're moving the goalpost on me saying, well, we're trying to make it so nobody gets COVID. That is not possible. Well, one of the 
blessings I've had in my life uh, f- through playing in the NFL, through our family's cancer journey, through family members, through other people, I've been able to do an informal survey or just have conversations. And every doctor that I talk to, every doctor, and these are all the connections, Mm -hmm. and and not just Ohio, but from around the world in all different fields, but certainly have knowledge, and you have doctor friends. Every one of them that I've talked to take this very seriously, as Mm -hmm. they should, Mm -hmm. as you do, as I do. Uh, They also are big believers in herd immunity. Mm -hmm. And they also... Uh, know that you cannot eliminate all risk. We can't stop people from dying. And I would be the first to say that many that die from COVID-19, it's very unfair. It's very unfair. Uh, So is a young kid that gets hit by a drunk driver and dies. It's very unfair. So is a woman in her 40s who dies of cancer with young kids. That's very unfair. We are not going to be able to stop death. In fact, if you look at history and the record of death, death is only has one loss versus all humanity. Death is batting 99.9%. Of course, Jesus overcoming death was the only loss that death had. Other than that, uh, death is one. Um, so death is going to happen. Death is we're going to be surrounded by death. Death is part of dying is part of living. And but that being said, I understand where his heart is. He wants to do everything he can to help and save people. Unfortunately, he's not going to be able to do that. Mm-mm. Just not going to happen. And there is uh, a. <laughs> I mean, this is cold, but it's true. There's a cost-benefit. You know, if you have a death rate, say it ends up being 0.06, you know, that that's a, if you have a, say, a 0.1% in the United States of America, that would be 3 million deaths. So we'll probably be under... Point one because there's 327 mm-hmm. million people mm-hmm. in the United States. Mm-hmm. That's quick math, Maslin math. I think I'm somewhere in the ballpark. Very, very good, very impressive. So then, if you're at um, point uh, that was point six, so point three would be 150 thousand deaths. So you said you want three million, half of that. Yes, thank you. 1.5 million. 1.5 million, and that's it. So, but for to me though. I look at, and if he's going to look at that, then we, he has to look at the other side. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to a, a physician about this and how, what a difficult place uh, Amy Acton's in, Mike DeWine, John Husted, Donald Trump, and every governor, the, the difficult situation that they're in. And I acknowledge this is very difficult. I think it's unfair of us to sit there and say, uh, the wine's a dictator. I don't believe his heart is in that place. I believe his heart is in the right place, like I believe every governor's heart is in the right place. But he also has to weigh the amount of domestic abuse and child abuse, the amount of um, if somebody was scheduled for a mammogram and, and, and if they're young or it's their first one, well, I'll wait another year. 
well, it could be too late. Those are going to happen. Those are deaths that could have been prevented. Uh, as you mentioned, people with a heart issue, or they're afraid to go to the hospital or afraid to go to the doctor. Those are deaths that could have been prevented. So we're not going to win. So it has to come down to what I've said on Twitter, and it's a simple rule, and I, I sent this out to my family yesterday, um, being, you know, the, kind of like the leader of the family, being the, <laughs> the patriarch. I said this, look, when you're out and when we do things, we start opening up, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to be aware, be responsible, but don't live in fear. Mm -hmm. But be responsible. So I think that's what he's saying, but he they're so locked in on fear that they that, that you fear will paralyze people. Yes, it will. It'll paralyze you from doing anything. How do I know this? Because I lived in fear mm -hmm. for a couple years. I was afraid of of you know, Stephanie dying. I was afraid of that. And so I did everything in the world to protect her. And no matter what I did, no matter how much control that I tried to take of that situation, I couldn't control the situation. Mm -hmm. And you can say you can control it. Yeah, you can control not passing COVID-19 if you're an asymptomatic carrier onto somebody else. If you lock yourself in for the next two years. Yep. That's and that's I'll give you that. You're exactly right. You can control that. But um, understand that if everybody did that, society as we know it would disappear. And I'm not willing to sacrifice society for that. So that I think that would be a good answer, but also acknowledging his legitimate concern. Yeah. Uh, I have a friend who's a Democrat, a strong Democrat. He's a guy we converse on the NFL, on the Buckeyes. He's um, involved in the NFL. He and I couldn't be more different on our political ideologies. But there's a way to have conversations, and we have them, about this. And I honor his position, and he honors mine. And it was interesting yesterday. We were having this conversation because he's fine with the state doing what I perceive to be an overreach. For instance, I think the governor made a very smart decision when he floated the idea of masks being mandatory mm -hmm. and yesterday backed off and said they're strongly recommended because it's a violation of your constitutional rights for them to m mandate right. masks, okay? Individual businesses can say, you know, no shoes, no shirt, no service, yeah. no shoes, no shirt, no mask, no service. Correct. They can do that. That's but their the right. But the government cannot do that. Right. And so uh, this gentleman who I converse with saying he sanctions that the government can do that. He's like, okay with it mm -hmm. because he has someone in his family who's immunocompromised right. and he wants to protect. And he said to me, well, I think it's fine for them to say it because some people are too stupid to know what's good for them. And the government can, I'm paraphrasing, but that was yeah, essentially his I thing. Get it. Well, that's what most people are saying. He said, I'm looking out for my family. And I said, you know, it's interesting you say that. I said, I understand why you're looking out for your family. I said, you may not recognize this, but I feel I'm looking out for my family because I have three girls and I don't want them to grow up in a society where we move from, well, we we made you wear masks because we were concerned about COVID-19 to 
what I think is not as far stretch, which is the government overreaching on things like faith and other other elements. I said, you're looking out for what you prize for your family, which is right now the imminent health situation they face. Understandably I'm so, I'm looking yes. out for the future of my girls and that I want them to grow up in a country with religious freedom and with individual choice and things like that on you know what's good for them. And I said, so we have kind of the same goals, mm-hmm. but we... They're manifested in this moment in different ways. He and I have a conversation. We don't agree. We're probably not going to agree. But he's still my friend. We'll still text each other. Right. We'll still laugh. We'll find common ground. And I think that's where we have to go. Right. And we have to agree. Like it's always you always say, talk to people, not over people. Well, I think the other thing to, to recognize is there's, I mean, people, like I happen to think that most people will be responsible and understand that if they're in a large group, or going to a store mm-hmm. that uh, they'll put on a mask because let's you know, talk about that mask. How, how do you feel? Because I've struggled with the whole mask. Here's thing. how I feel about it. Um, and I, I go off of science. My personal feeling doesn't matter. Okay, I go off of science for me. But this is the important thing. This is my individual choice. My choice to make. I'm coming here. Hanging out with you, mm-hmm. keeping social distance, but I'm not wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. If I go to the grocery store today and um, I look at the science and the science says, I don't wear a mask to protect myself. If I'm an asymptomatic carrier, I don't know it. Then I do think it's my responsibility uh, to protect others from getting this then I will wear a mask. I mentioned all those doctors that I talked to. I asked them about that, and they recommend that. Not that you're going to protect yourself. And the other thing is that people have to understand is that with a mask that you have to wash it, you have to sanitize it, or get a new mask every single time because of what's gathered, from my understanding, what's gathered in that mask. You just can't keep one can't keep one in your car and throw it on every time you go in a store if you're trying to accomplish the goal of being as germ-free as you can be but i told my kids like my two of my uh my stepdaughter and my youngest daughter are splitting a babysitting job i said when you go to over and they started this week when you go there put a mask on yeah and you know if they tell you you can take the mask off then you take the mask off but you go there and put a mask on until you're told different out of respect for what you're doing and out of respect. Like if I go to a store and or a retail store when it opens and that retail store says in order to come in here, you have to have a mask. And I will do that and comply because they're asking me to do that. And I don't have a problem doing that. I took my um, Macy to her PT appointment at Orthopedic one. Mm-hmm. When I walked in the lobby, her and I got her temperature checked, and they gave us a mask. Walked in and had her PT thing. Okay. So, you know, my I I look at it like if I can prevent so, uh, somebody in a grocery store or in a mask where there's a lot of people, I don't have a problem. But that's my choice. I educated myself. I looked at what I thought was right. I don't want to be forced to wear it. I'm choosing to wear it in that type of atmosphere or situation. I still have uh, much of my old nature in me, which is to be um, 
cantankerous, you know, don't tell me what to do, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's, not a, it's not a good Christian attitude. I fight it. So when the mask issue came up, my first response was, well, I'm not wearing one. And the reason why, I said, okay, why are you not wearing one? And I thought, because I'm not fearful. God didn't give me a spirit of fear. Give me a spirit of power, Timothy. love, self-discipline. Second Timothy 1-7. One, seven. And then another verse came to my mind. And the verse was, as much as is possible, live at peace with other people. And I mm-hmm. thought, okay, let's go through the scenario here, Bruce. You're in a Kroger, you don't have a mask on, and you're in, and it bothers someone who's in there that you don't have a mask on. They say something to you, you clap back at them. Is okay. that productive? Are no. you giving a good witness for Jesus in that situation? <laughs> no. no, I'm not. Uh, and I would, and I said, you know, in my mind, I'm playing this conversation out, yeah. and I know myself, my I snarky see the self, battle going on. With and I would say, you know, you smart snarking at me about not wearing a mask has caused me to talk to you, which I'm spreading more germs to you now because you're complaining about my lack of mask than if you had just <laughs> let me pass you in the hallway. And I thought, what's the what's productive about that? Nothing is productive about that. So I I have moved my position from. It, it felt to me initially like I'm, because when I saw people with masks, I'm like, wow, these people, there's a lot of fear out there. I don't have the fear. I have respect, but I don't have fear. Right. I feel sorry for them, but the fear's real. It is. And I thought, well, I'm not doing that. I'm not putting it out there that I'm fearful. And then I thought, you know what? Maybe you're not putting it out there that you're fearful. Maybe you're just trying as much as possible to live at peace with other people. Mm-hmm. So I'll wear a mask. If I go out and it's a place where the store says, we require you to wear a mask. If I get on an airplane, uh, and JetBlue the other day was like, they're going to require people to wear a mask. And I tweeted probably something that was dumb. I said, okay, so what are they going to do if you get on the plane and you take it off? Mm-hmm. Are they going to throw you out? Like, you're on the plane. Yeah. But, you know, if you disobey a flight attendant, I think that's a federal crime. So I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to try to create arguments, create angst, you know, be divisive. If all I have to do to live at peace with other people is put a mask on, look, for me, I don't need it. I don't even want it. But as much as is possible with me, can I wear a mask and can I go into, you know, for five minutes while I'm in Kroger? Yeah, I can. So I will. Mm-hmm. That's where I've come to. Well, I, I look at it too. And, it's, you know, I, I don't want, I want government to say out of business as much as possible that a business has a right to choose. Yep. Business can choose how they want to operate their business. You have, when any business you go into, there's certain rules, you know, no drinks allowed. Mm-hmm. And I can choose, then I can choose whether I decide to patronize that business or not. That's my whole thing. It's, it's, it's freedom of choice. Yeah. And, but I think we're on the same page here because everybody goes to the extreme. Like people that don't wear a mask, their automatic argument is, that's a civil rights violation, which it could be, yes. But we're in a circumstance, so it, it doesn't hurt you for a minute or until we get through this. To If the business requires it, put on a mask. You don't have to. Right. That's what I think this is exactly what Acton, DeWine, and Husted were trying to say yesterday. We, we don't, what he was saying is we don't have the power to make you wear a mask. But think about it. Okay. Yeah, I get it through. Yeah, and just you know, let's all work together, but we're not going to force you to do that. And it's the business's choice whether they determine uh, if you want to wear a mask or not. And this is another thing. I talked to a government official, and he was a little frustrated. And this is at the federal level, not at the state level. Mm-hmm. 
he's a little frustrated and he said, I, I don't understand that people think that government's going to fix all their problems and make all their decisions yeah. for them. We're going to give them information and people eventually have to take responsibility for what you choose to do. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think Governor DeWine tries to say that. Um, you know, I, I just don't understand why you can't say, hey, we're not going to be your mother or your father. Well, in the federal government, too, it's like all the states are like, we need ventilators, we need this, we need that. Well, you know, at, when we were founded, the states didn't want to give up their rights. So it's like it's not, and not everything's the government's fault, not everything's the government's responsibility to fix. So hopefully we yeah. can get back to a mindset Good. where we have some personal responsibility. So that, and that's, I think, this whole mass thing is it's freedom of choice, but be personally responsible and aware. But, you know, stop walking around in fear because I got news for you. Death only lost once in the history of the world. But it lost all the time and eternally because of that. <laughs> so, but but it's going, it's not going to lose again. So, I mean, I got to tell you, death is batting. Not until he comes yeah. back. Well, oh, oh, yes, thank you. But I'm just, until that happens, yes, there's going to be death. There's going to be unfair death due to COVID, due to cancer, due to drunk driving, due to overdosing, due to everything. Yeah. So is. that's just life. And I don't want to hear um, the other thing that, that really, well, did you lose somebody? Yeah, I did. And so did a lot of other people. I'm not special. Yeah, I've lost somebody unfairly to death. And so have millions of other people, just the way it is. And the sooner you accept that, the sooner you understand that there's risk in life and that not one single day is guaranteed. Do not worry about tomorrow. Today has enough worries of itself. Uh, we want to remind you to nominate someone in need of COVID-19 relief. A lot of unemployed people out there, a lot of people with uh, concerns, valid concerns economically. We want to help. Uh, we give away $1,000 every Friday in COVID-19 relief thanks to Chris's memorabilia auctions. It's fully funded, $40,000. Yes, it is. Fantastic. Do it with my, but with my wealth and connections, it could have been tons more. According to one critic on Twitter, <laughs> yes, it could have been tons more. Uh, so please nominate someone, and you can do it via email, SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail.com. And I will shout out my friends at Kurtz Brothers Mulch and Soil. It's munch, se uh, mulch season. Uh, munch Cleveland would tell us it's always munch season. No, it's yes. mulch season. Uh, Kurtz Brothers, they're giving you 38% off in the form of a Visa gift card, which they encourage you to spend at local restaurants to help keep them in business. Yeah. Good. Uh, so Kurtz Brothers, good people and doing a good thing. That's a good thing, too. Just another good lesson. They're giving away this. They're encouraging you to spend it at a restaurant. They're not telling you. Yeah, they're not giving you a gift card and making you go. Yeah. <laughs> Do what you want with that. You know, it's, it's like we, eventually you have to trust people somewhat. It's yeah. like our giveaway. We're giving away $250 to four different people a week. We want them to use it to help somebody or help themselves. But we can't tell you to do that. I can't. Yeah. I can't tell you to do that. That's what we're encouraging can you I, to do. Can I tweet at Dismal Dean here who Would, says, go ahead, Hooli, you and your boyfriend, Chris Spielman, throw a big party and assemble all, yeah, of, your, go ahead. Do a live all tweet of your on. jackass friends have a blast. <laughs> Could I tweet back at him, Dean, what would be 
I'd have a bigger blast if you told Chris to his face that he's my boyfriend. Could I tweet no, that to him? No, because why? What's that going to accomplish? I, I just, besides gratifying this guy's big Twitter muscles going there, Dismal Dean. Well, I mean, the, I I don't. I don't <laughs> I mean, I don't have See, any. I told you that. See, na- I told you that nature's in there. I don't have any. It's in there, baby. It's like not... when I read that, I don't have any snarkiness. I or, laughed. I'm or, like, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, and he's not very. He's not a happy guy, and and I get I'm it. A, and... I'm gonna make you a little bet here, okay? So we're gonna check. We're gonna check Hooli's Twitter theory. Yeah. The dumber the tweet, the lower the number of followers. Okay. Okay. Probably, Dismal Dean. I'm gonna say uh, 60. over under on Dismal Dean Twitter uh, followers over ninety. Over ninety, I'm going. No, I'm going. The over I, under no, you're putting at ninety. I'm under ninety. Under ninety. I'm under twenty six. Okay, let's look. What's Dismal have for us? Ninety two. Wow, I, I he's a really popular troll. But I'm not going to sit here and usually judge it's it. always the guy with less than a hundred followers. I, always. I, but you know what? I'm glad because yeah. you know it's a Twitter Dismal free. Fo- it's a free forum. It's, it's freedom free, of speech. We're all about of speech. it. Speech. Yep. It's freedom of speech. And I talked to a. Freaking, speaking of freedom of speech, I was talking to a, a doctor friend of mine. Who, you know that video that came out with those two California doctors that talked about the herd immunity? Time to get, yeah, time to open up. Yeah. Yeah. And, that and, YouTube uh, yeah. shut down, wouldn't let people see. And this doctor friend leans left, by the way. Leans left. Okay. And he is. I know your lawyer friend that leans left. Yeah, I'm trying to picture who your well, doctor friend is. Yeah. <laughs> You'll tell well, me later. No, it's, it's not. I know it's who it's the, not. It's, I know who it's not. It's not a local guy. Okay. Okay. Um, but he said the most scariest thing about all of this was the fact that YouTube decided to censor somebody's free speech. Yeah. That's yeah. a doctor saying that. Yeah. That's the scariest thing. Um, ESPN is not censoring Michael Jordan and uh, Dennis Rodman's free speech, at least not on ESPN. You, on you, ESPN2, they are. Why well, I, I gave you... Yeah, the I profanity want, I, free... I had a friend, a buddy of mine, uh, my, one of my best friends, tweeted, texted me Sunday night. He's like, I'd like to watch this last dance with my kids, but man, every other word's an F-bomb. Well, that's on ESPN. On ESPN2, right. what do they do? They bleep them out, or are you I, watching I, I, the authentic? No, I watch the authentic. Okay. I, I grew up in a locker room. I'm fine with it. I, I don't get offended by <laughs> it, to be quite honest with you. Okay, so I'm watching this at your encouragement, this last dance thing. Okay, I'm anxious to hear And I'm glad you had me watch it, okay, because for two reasons. Number one, when we did sports radio together, and occasionally, you know, on the slow day, there's always the who's better, LeBron or MJ conversation. And I always said, I'm not going to have that conversation because – it's a silly conversation. They're both great, and I can't. They didn't play against each other, so I'm not going to have the contrived conversation. Very wise. Now I have a different reason for not having the conversation, and that is that watching Michael Jordan, there is no conversation. He's the best. It's unbelievable. It's just not a conversation. Okay, it's just not. LeBron's great. I'm not saying he's not great. Doesn't take away from LeBron's greatness. Doesn't take away. I'm just Jordan. LeBron's in the same situation as every other guy who's ever picked up a basketball. He's not as good as Michael Jordan. That's just. Flat out. Watching this, I'm like, okay, Jordan's the best. As far as an athlete goes, Michael Jordan was was no one was closer when you have the combined talent with the combined competitiveness yeah. and the combined willingness to sacrifice for the good of the team. He's he he hit all three out of the park. And when you have those three things together with his immense talent 
it's just there's nobody close it's just isn't it fat do you, th- do you not find it fascinating i find it fascinating i find i think phil jackson is a coaching genius uh only because he was able to manage all those different personalities mm-hmm. and whether it's Scottie Pippen's personality or Rodman's personality or Michael Jordan's personality or Bill Cartwright or 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 the the constant infighting between Jerry Krause who constantly felt like he had to prove himself and who he was that's where jordan to me is least likable in this it, well yeah because is he's, where he's he has no respect for jerry Krause, right and he openly mocks jerry Krause. No, i don't like that to either. jerry Krause's face it's not jerry Krause's fault that he's short and chubby yeah i don't like maybe that it's either. his fault he's chubby but it's not his fault he's short uh, i don't like that either but i gotta say in all fairness to jordan i don't know if he would do that now but the locker room atmosphere, as you know, because you've been in mm. NFL locker room. I don't know if you've been in NBA locker rooms, but oh, you've yes. been in NFL locker oh, yes. rooms. They are brutal. It is a brutal place to go. Any if you have shortcoming. Fit, and, 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 and you have, no pun intended, I assume. Yeah, there. no no pun intended. Okay. Sorry, Jerry. <laughs> but, but if you have thin skin, you will not last. I mean, because here's the thing. If you find out that insults... Ooh bother you that just makes it 10 times worse because it's a it's i don't think it's right i just i'm just giving you the reality of it that's what a locker room is it is it is brutal the classic example of this and and this is pretty much where i stopped last night in episode four is the five guys the remember the trainer takes you into this little room where jordan is with these five guys and he says this is sniff brother 1 yeah. sniff 2 sniff 3 and you're like okay what's with the sniff jock sniffer yeah so they your nickname is often what they found out bugs you yeah the thing that bugs well, you if they find a weakness or bugs yeah. you it's nonstop not it a, is not a christian environment not a it's, forgiving no environment. it's not i'm just being honest it's not so i get that's that's the least likable part of Michael Jordan that I've w- watched on Last Dance, but I also know that that's not unique to the Chicago Bulls. No, not at all. In fact, it would be rare if it wasn't that way. Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm watching this and I'm thinking there's a to me I'm like this morning I'm like wow there's a huge spiritual parallel here. You talked about Jordan. You talked about Jordan's competitive nature. That really wasn't talked about until they hire Phil Jackson to take over for Doug Collins, and Doug Collins got him to the Eastern Conference Finals. But they realized that the Krause-like Tex winners system, and he wanted the wanted to share the ball. He wanted to move the ball around. He didn't want Michael scoring thirty-seven points a game, Mm -hmm. and Michael had to sacrifice. He had to give up leading the league in scoring, then, so how does, what does he do instead of that? He starts, he said, I started demanding more of my teammates. And that's when the really, the really competitive, ultra, uber, alpha male Jordan started to come out. So I was thinking this morning, Rodman comes to Chicago and (laughs) you talk about forgiveness and sacrifice Rodman had been the chief tormentor and and of the Im- Bulls, implementer yeah. of the Jordan rules with the Pistons. Rodman and Lambeer and Mahorn. 88 and 89. And so Jordan and Pippen had to 
sublimate and re- look beyond the offenses they had suffered at the hands of Rodman. Tell the people what sublimate means. You know, put down, okay. like de-emphasize, okay. ig- kind of ignore. Uh-huh. You're aware I, it's there, I, of course, you, knew what that yes, meant. Yes, of course you did. <laughs> um, that's part of your innovation. You know what sublimate means. So, but they looked at Dennis Rodman. They saw the good in Dennis Rodman. They're like, this guy hustles and he plays defense. <sighs> and he can help us become a much better team. And so I thought, wow, what a lesson that is that somebody who they had every reason to say, no, this is going to blow up our chemistry. This is going to, mm-hmm. we don't want this nut job around here. And, George, and not only was Rodman on the team, which is, this is what I found out is that Jordan accepted Rodman and he and Rodman, when Pippen was holding out, were kind of, you know, he said, Rodman's my wingman. Mm-hmm. I thought there was an amazing spiritual parallel there. Um, can I, I'll make a comment on yeah. on on that real quick. Anybody that, and I've said this all along, right, production matters. Mm-hmm. Anybody that can help you win a championship, of course you're going to embrace him because he's best for the team, regardless of what his past is. What's he doing now? Is he helping us win now? You can make a political yeah. argument about that, regardless of somebody's past. Are they helping us win now? I don't care what side of the aisle you fall on. I'm just... That's one way to look at it. And that's why I think Jordan embraced Rodman because Jordan always had one goal in mind. I don't think, I mean, sure, Jordan probably had an ego and it meant a lot to him to be MVP, but that dude was all about winning championships for the Bulls, not winning championships for Michael Jordan, in my opinion, because what he, the defense that he played, how he competed in practice and what he demanded, and he had the ability to demand this from his players because he's probably or arguably the best player ever to play the game and everybody around him understood that he was the best player to play the game and isn't it amazing how michael jordan actually talked to the press yeah Dude, i mean you'd never get that now I, it just fascinates although me. nba nba guys pretty much do that they face the music but now yeah. it's now it's very rarely in that scrum situation it's but, where you're, hand, yeah. you're called upon you don't get a chance to follow up but and, isn't it but isn't it uh don't you do you think this last dance? Don't you think it's fascinating? It is fascinating, but it fascinates me because I'm trying to connect sports to life right. and sports to faith. So I made the comment the other day on our podcast that Jesus was the greatest coach of all time and the greatest leader of all time. Mm-hmm. Struck me this morning. Jesus is also the greatest GM of all time. Gathering talent. Because here's the deal: he put people in roles and, and observed team chemistry. Because you think about. Who's the disciple that gets the most pub, probably? Who do we know the most about? Peter. Right, Peter. Okay, so Peter Peter got to walk on water. Peter Peter was the highs and the lows, man. He got, he got <laughs> to, all in. He denied That's... Jesus, and then he was restored by Jesus, and he got to see the transfiguration. I mean, Peter got all that, okay? Yeah. So I thought today, like, isn't it odd that Peter wrote only two short books of the Bible? Like, Peter walked with... Jesus, like he spent all that time with him in his ministry and he was his right-hand man and he witnessed all this stuff. And what do we have in the Bible from Peter? We get two short letters. Then we got Paul. Paul did not get to walk (laughs) hand in hand with Jesus, but he wrote like 13 or 14 books of the Bible, depending on whether you think Paul wrote Hebrews or not. So I was thinking, all right, why did Paul get all this run? Mm -hmm. Or why didn't Jesus like put Peter and Paul, Paul, like Paul was around. He was a chief 
tormentor. He was Rodman. Yeah. Paul was Rodman at the time. He's killing Christians. But Jesus as the GM looked at this and he's like, no, no, these two guys together, not going to work. In fact, when they were working together after Jesus was crucified, Peter and Paul met and they got along okay for a while, but then they had a big falling out. You know what the falling out was about? Falling out was about Peter uh, kind of insisting that people observe Jewish Jewish customs. Circumcision, yeah. And also the dietary restrictions. But Jesus as the GM was like, look, I, Paul guy, I'm going to let him like play over there for the Pistons for a while yeah. and torment me and implement, you know, the Jesus rules instead of the Jordan rules. I'm going to like yeah. stone Stephen and I'm going to let him do all that. But then I'm going to like blind him with a light and after I'm gone, I'm going to bring him in and I'm going to send him out and he's going to like help me win championships. And I thought, man, that's awesome. Yeah. And there are in NBA history and all kinds of stuff. There have been great players, two great players that just didn't work. Jerry Lucas, Oscar Robertson, two of the 50 greatest players in NBA history on the Cincinnati Royals, never won a championship. Had to get rid of Jerry Lucas, and Jerry Lucas won his championship with the Knicks as a backup. Shaq and Kobe, for a while it worked. Eh, Then the two alphas didn't work. In the NFL, two alpha male quarterbacks on the same team, bad news. You know, so I just thought, well, Jesus is GM. He knew everybody's strength. Right. He knew when to bring him into the team and all that. And Rodman fit at a certain time on the Bulls, and there was probably a time where he wouldn't have fit on the Bulls. So, and the guy that kept everything together behind the scenes was a guy named Barnabas, right? Would you in agree the, with, yeah, not yeah. with the Bulls. But no. With, yeah, with the disciples. Yeah. So I would encourage people, if you don't know who Barnabas is, to uh, Google Barnabas or look him up in your Bibles because he was a really underrated player. In my, he was Paul's I'm, wingman. Yeah, well, he but he also was a peacemaker. Yeah, and I think Phil Jackson would be a good representative mm-hmm. of who Barnabas was because he kept bringing everybody together and and letting the light shine. But he he was a, a great support player, one of the all time MVP support guys. So yep. My one of my heroes of the Bibles actually is Barnabas. I don't know if you, you didn't know that. About I did me. not know yeah. that, and I need to dig deeper into. All the things about him, yeah, that it's, make it's, him compelling. It's, to it, you. You, it's it's interesting to see because he's unselfish mm-hmm. and he was looking for the greater good and for the team and all that good stuff. So yeah, I I think that's a great analogy, Bruce. Well done, sir. Well uh, today, done. today, thank you very much. Uh, remember, get your emails in. Nominate people. Spielman Hooley Podcast at gmail If you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook, you see the three photos here in front. That's an example of the work of Flashes O Fun Photography. Very affordable senior pictures, family portraits. Take your whole family together. Pet pictures, whatever you want. Flashes is the website. That's my wife's business, and uh, trying to keep the Hooley's house payment paid. So if you'd patronize that, mention the podcast, you'll get fifty bucks off and. You'll do it for less than 500 bucks total. I'm sure way less than that, but you'll get some good photos. You can judge the quality of the work right there. Used on Unsplash over a couple million times. All right, now, um, NFL news. What do you have for scheduling-wise and all that stuff? Uh, well, Rick Spielman has 3 million Marriott points, apparently. <laughs> I read that story in SI about the Vikings. It's a good story, wasn't it? Tech- I didn't know he lived at the JW Marriott out there at Bloomington yeah. and by Mall of America, but then he was back home because yeah. I saw a couple of his children. Well, then he was back home because the NFL changed the rules. Oh, he wouldn't want allowed to stay out there. So it, what was good for one was good for everybody. You know what struck me, though, while I was reading that? Man, NFL teams just spend the money. 
Like they set up they the find whole, a way. they yeah. set up the whole Marriott out there as like the Vikings mobile headquarters. And then right. the NFL said, nope. nope, can't do it. So then ooh, everybody back home and we're going to do this. Yeah. And it's like, well, we can't afford that. Nope. Never comes up. Um, it's that's why I have all the confidence in the world. People ask me if the NFL is going to play. I have all the confidence in the world because they find a way. Mm -hmm. They always find a way. Three million Marriott points, Rick has. Well, yeah, he's, like he paid. We do a weekend a year with he and his wife and my wife, my sister-in-law's sister. -in -law's sister. Mm -hmm. So Rick's yeah. sister-in-law. Um, we do. Uh, try to do three or four day weekend, and it's all on Rick because he well, just, should be. just uses it's it. It's not on Rick; it's on the Marriott. <laughs> exactly. Marriott brothers. It's all on the Marriott, so which is it's is fun. We went to New York, we went to Chicago, but anyway, that I digress. But Did you take it, it to Ritz Carlton or Marriott because you can get no, in either one. Marriott. He, yeah. He. By the way, he's very frugal to be nice. It's Fairfield just, Inn. Yeah. Let's Fairfield just Inn. Say that. Yeah. Spring yeah, Hill Suites. Yeah. <laughs> By Marriott. Yeah, yeah, of course. What's wrong with this? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Arthur Blank was talking and talking about a possible how the NFL could possibly be set up. Arthur Blank, of course, is the owner of the Atlanta Falcons. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was very interesting. One thing to look at, you know, when teams do open up training camp, he talked about testing everybody for COVID every single day. I mean, if, the NFL, if anybody can make that happen, the NFL will make that happen. Yep. And they'll find a way, right? Because they'll spend the money and they're efficient and they'll find a way to do it. Training camp will probably be no fans allowed, which makes sense mm -hmm. because you know that certain teams gather great interest in their training camps. Preseason, possibly cut down. Maybe, mm -hmm. no, I don't think anybody really cares about that. I do because I work for the Lions in preseason yeah. and I get to work four games. Maybe it'll be one or two games uh, regarding that. Um, then um, the regular season, uh, we'll see how that goes. I happen to think this. I've been talking. We talk about mask, right? Mm -hmm. I happen to think that how I envision it, and I could be wrong, but, you know, you might do a lottery system where, okay, 30,000 people are allowed to go to a 60,000-seat stadium. Yeah. And everybody has to wear a mask, and you have to have at least one or two seats or however you can work it out. In front of you, or yeah, in, in between be, in, you, in between you, yeah. And I think that's the way that you could do it. But I like if the NFL to ask me to wear a mask at a game, I'm not going to say you're violating my constitutional right. I will choose not to go to the game because I don't want to wear a mask mm -hmm. as a fan. As a fan, yeah. So right, right. And plus, when you pay a ticket, then you um have to abide by the rules. It's just you like do. you people. I mean, the security that I have to go through, and like I know security guards at every NFL stadium mm -hmm. or a majority of the stadiums because I do so many games there. Hey, Chris, how you doing? How's how's Mace's uh, knee coming or, yeah. or whatever? But I still have to go through the pat down and go through my bag and all that stuff. We all accept those rules. So that's how I think uh, the NFL can operate. And I think they'll learn something from – what baseball and how baseball goes about mm -hmm. it, and team and people will learn from each other, just like Governor DeWine was talking about. They've learned a lot since March. Businesses are learning a lot from each other. I'm sure they're sharing the information that they have with each other, so it helps everybody work together in cooperation to get this thing back and going. But you, youth, anybody that thinks the NFL isn't going to find a way to play, they're they're sadly mistaken. Yeah, they're going to find a way to play. 
for sure. I don't know about colleges, although uh, I, Oregon, yeah. Oregon yesterday said they're going to open up in the fall for students on campus, so that encourages people. Uh, Kentucky mailed something to their season ticket holders that they're intending to have football in the fall. Yeah, we There's so much still unknown in terms of how's the virus going to react to the summer heat. It's going to burn out. Is it going to burn out? Don't know. Are we going to have a second wave once we start back opening up again? Uh, I think probably it's unrealistic to think that college football at Ohio State will happen exactly like it's happened before. Tailgaters and a hundred thousand people in the stadium. It's going to be different. I think it'll be. I think it'll be different somewhat. It's downscaled. It's going to be. Yeah, and there may be comments on that today when Gene Smith and. Michael Drake and the NCAA poobahs are part of a name, image, and likeness. You're call. welcome, everybody. Mr. Spielman started all that. Humility. Uh, yeah. Well, no, you true. did. No, I mean, you did. Uh, you, you did start that with, what was it, two or three years ago in the summer? I don't know. Lawsuit. Lots three. of phone calls. Probably three. Probably three. Time goes quickly. Um, so we'll see. I, I think the name, image, and likeness thing, I'm all for it. It has to happen. I will just tell you that my assumption is it's going to be implemented in a clunky way, not because I don't think these guys are smart or intentional in how they'll figure it out. I think there will be unintended consequences because schools and boosters will be very inventive with how they react to whatever the parameters are. Wherever the lines are, there's going to be people pushing against those lines to widen them out or operate a bit outside the lines or whatever, and they're mm-hmm. going to have to narrow this down. And I think it's going to be a big benefit. If you're wondering, how's this going to affect Ohio State? It's going to help Ohio State. Ohio State has the money. They have the uh, corporate support. They have the size of a city where this is not going to be a problem, finding sponsors for players. They will attract players from other schools Let's say, for instance, what do you think you have a better chance of getting a car deal? Columbus, Ohio or Starkville, Mississippi? Mm-hmm. Columbus, Ohio or Pullman, Washington? So I'm going to tell you that this, and I've said this before, there's going to be a time where Ohio State has Master Teague tears an Achilles or pulls a calf muscle or whatever he did in the spring. All of a sudden, Ohio State has no running backs. And there's a kid at Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, <laughs> let's say, and he's coming back to school. And he's like, whoa. Is it Oklahoma or Oklahoma? I thought it was Oklahoma. Chub, Chuba Hubbard, Oklahoma oh, State. Oh, I thought you were talking about the kid that transferred to Ohio State. No, Trey Sermon. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Could be Trey Sermon. Right. All of a sudden, he's like, hey, or he's an all-Big Ten cornerback from uh, Purdue. And he's like, there's really not a whole lot of Dame Image and Likeness compensation for me here in West Lafayette, but I'm an all-Big Ten cornerback from Purdue, and i got two years left. I wonder what I'm worth to the uh, Ohio State fan base. I don't think it's – I don't. just to make a little bit of a counter-argument, I don't think it's going to be the amount of money that you think it is. I mean, it might be five hundred bucks. I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be significant. And I think you're naive. Okay. I think you're naive. I think you're naive because I actually live in this world. Do you? Uh, here's here's something. I've, here's <laughs> so one do of the, you. One of the few things I've done in football that you've never had to do, and I wish I didn't have to do What's it. That? is get a panicked phone call from an editor. This kid in Tennessee just committed to Ohio State. I'm like, yes, yeah, so? He's a high school junior. Yeah, but he says he's going to sign in December. I'm like, okay, well, when he signs in December, I'll write about it. No, this is huge news. <laughs> okay, what voice is to, that you're using? You're scaring you, me. <laughs> to you, it's huge news. 
uh, to me, it's not huge news because, A, the hit rate on recruits at Ohio State where it's survival of the fittest, you know, I probably shouldn't mention kids' names. Right. Every kid gets a big fuss when he commits because he has a big rating. He didn't have a big rating. Ohio State wouldn't be recruiting him. Ohio State recruiting him gives him a bigger rating, okay? They just signed, They just got a commitment from some kid who's like a three-star. Well, he ain't going to be a three-star when he signs with Ohio State. Why? Because he signed with Ohio State, so he's got to be better than we thought he was. So if these, my point is, if the these kids, the furor to get them among the fan base, among the business community, is what it is now, why would they not pay to make sure those kids come here? That's why I think it's going to be a lot more than people think it is. Um, now, the NCAA may try to cap it, and then they're going to have to face a lawsuit from a kid saying, you're restricting my income. Yeah. It's, it's a free market. But ho- hopefully it still is a free market. Well, we'll see how, but I do think uh, what will be down is because I do think a lot of businesses are going to evaluate the priority of where their funds go. And I don't think uh, advertising is going to be a top priority. And we'll see. We'll see how what would the What would the market have been? Let's just spitball this for a little bit. Now, we laugh at Tate. So people laugh at Tate Martell now because he went to Miami and he didn't start a quarterback. But when Tate Martell came out of Bishop, the Bishop Laughlin High School in uh, Nevada, number one quarterback in the nation, Ohio State had JT Barrett, Joe Burrow, Dwayne Haskins. There was no imminent need for Tate Martell. But people were over the moon that they got Tate Martell. Do you, is it your position that no car dealer in the city of yes. Columbus would have been interested in in signing a deal with Tate Martell at the time Tate Martell committed to Ohio State? Nobody would have been nope. willing to pay him any money. I don't think anybody's interested in a backup quarterback. Oh my goodness, I think you're crazy. All right. I think people we'll would have been interested in, in Haskins. I just don't think they're interested in Tate Martell. I think they're interested in starters and, and – you know, are you going to tie it in with, you know, they have to be an Ohio State sponsor? Ohio State does Coke. What if Pepsi wants to get a player? Okay, so Pepsi says, hey, these kids are allowed to be compensated for their name, image, and likeness. I'm compensating the kid. I'm not compensating Ohio State. Why do I have to do a deal with Ohio State? Mm-hmm. And they could sue Ohio State. They could sue the NCAA. I say, know. I don't have to do a deal with you. I want to do a deal with the kid. I think it's a lot has to be worked out and – I think there's got to be some cooperation within the school and the player who's going to represent the player. Is the school going to be the one that's cutting the deals with the player? Is there going to be a collective bargaining agreement between the schools and the players? Schools don't want that. They don't want to be, they don't want the players unionized. Remember how they fought? That's why I say it's going to be clunky how it's implemented because it's going to be tested in court and the boundaries are going to be tested and pushed and all that. So how they propose it, maybe how they want it to, happen, but I don't think it'll happen the way they... I don't think five years from now it'll look the same. No. So... But that doesn't mean don't do it. Yeah. I, I'm all favor, all in favor Just of gotta, it. You got to work through it and yeah. see what works and what doesn't work. It's going to be unfair because Bowling Green isn't going to compensate players like Ohio State's going to compensate players. But then again, Bowling Green doesn't recruit the players that Ohio State recruits. So it's, you know, the rich get richer. It's the way it is. That's right. Then if, if Bowling... But... There's a residual effect because Bowling Green 
um, gets benefited from ESPN and putting their games on during the midweek. Well, ESPN only does college football because of teams like Ohio State, mm-hmm. so that's why Bowling Green, there's a benefit to Bowling Green from what Ohio State brings. I know it's removed a little bit, but you can't deny the benefit that Bowling Green receives because of schools like Alabama, Ohio State, Texas, and so on. Absolutely. Um, okay. You have a faith no, portion you, for us today? Well, you, we kind of hit on the faith portion. You have to ask me a question. I've okay, you want me to for, ask you that question today? Well, I my, mine's real short, so I'll do right. mine. So, um, really strange thing yesterday. Mm-hmm. I look out on my back porch, and there are three dead birds. Mm. You don't have any cats, do you? No, but what I think happened, because I called, what is it, the Game and Wildlife? I mean, you out here in the hinterlands, what's Ohio have? Department of... Fish and wildlife? Whatever it is, yeah. Ohio Department of Natural Resources? Yeah, something. Okay. And there was a little nest and he up where the by a window. Yeah, so, they always build them up in a cranny. Is, so it was a corner. And yep. so he he thought what happened was that these birds were being chased by a predator and just... Stroked out? He just missed the... Hit, hit the house because they all were kind of in a row. You know so what he I came mean? in hot? Yeah, they can't. Yeah, they, they just they could. the cable on the aircraft carrier didn't catch him when yeah. he came in hot. So for it, landing, it was just interesting. Slid off so, into the ocean. but I didn't know what it was. So I started looking up, and I had Carrie look it up. Uh, dead bird on my patio. That's it, what you Googled. Yes. What are you trying to find out? Why well, there's I'm a gonna, dead bird? This is interesting. Okay. Yeah. Why? Why are there three dead birds on my patio, or or dead bird on my patio? Um. And this is what I came up with. It was really interesting. A dead bird might be found near a feeder, window, roosting area, or just in the middle of the yard. The location may be a clue to cause of death, all that stuff. Okay. Traditionally, the death of a bird, this is what was symbolism, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. This is what was very interesting. And this was the first thing that Carrie showed me when she Googled it. Traditionally, the death of a bird is a sign of new beginnings, an omen of renewal. But there are several different meanings depending on your context or your encounter. If a bird flies in your window, it might mean that you are about to encounter an obstacle in your life. But the other one was that it, it's also a sign of new and better things to come. And I thought that was kind of cool that we were able to establish that um, uh, dead bird thing and turn a negative into a positive. Then I don't like birds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a friend that got... Uh, I don't know, infected by a bird or something, or mm-hmm. dead bird. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Oh, but of course. Sure. Almost cost him his NFL career, actually. Oh, I just think they're flying rodents. Mm-hmm. I hate bird watching. I don't think they're pretty. I, I mean, I, I dig eagles and hawks, but the other birds are just nasty, and I just don't like them. So I had to clean them up. So, of course, you know, I put on all the plastic, surrounded myself with triple baggies. Yeah. And, I don't blame you. Yeah, they're just nasty. But anyway, I just thought it was kind of a sign that something like that, some people interpret that as uh, uh, bad things are ending and good things are coming. So it was really good. cool. So good. go ahead. Maybe, maybe that'll dovetail with mine. Yeah. You know who else hates birds. Dovetail. Nice, nice play on words. <laughs> did you mean to do that? See what I did? No, there? you didn't. No, did no. <laughs> uh, do you know who else hates birds? Who, Sherry? Bo Bishop. Oh, really? Bo Bishop hates birds. Hates him. And knowing Bo a little bit, I think, does that go back to Alfred Hitchcock? And uh, I don't know. Because yeah. Bo's a 
frontiersman. He said grizzly bears in his driveway growing yeah. up in Montana. Yeah. Why he's scared of birds, I have no idea. He's a he's a conundrum. That I just think they're they're nasty. I just, yeah. flying rodents, Mr. I, <laughs> like bats. Okay. Yes. All right. So I said the other day I had a situation and I wanted to save it for you to to give the uh, listeners to the podcast here via iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Google Play, all the different platforms. Uh, we can have a real Christian brother to Christian brother conversation. Mm-hmm. People can hear how it plays out. So, uh, as you know, for over a year, I've been technically self-employed. Uh, yes. I'm an LLC, and I have some freelance arrangements with um, some people that pay me to do a certain job, but I'm not an employee of those places. Correct. So, I have been presented an opportunity to do a freelance oper- uh, to do freelance work for someone, and uh, the the amount of money to me and to my family would be very significant, very significant. Um, the agreement to do the deal, uh, the amount of content that I'm supposed to provide is, is not something that I in good conscience can look at and say, yeah, I can do that. I've been assured by the people at this organization, eh, that's just in there because, you know, for other people who we hire, it's not necessarily apply applicable to you. Okay. And I said, Okay, but I can't sign that in good conscience because I can't. I don't want to sign my name to something that I know I can't do. Because if things would go south with us down the road, I would rather we not come to an agreement than me promise to do something that in my heart I know I can't do, and you later on say, well, you didn't do what you promised to do, so we're going to get rid of you. And then mm-hmm. I'd be like, yeah, but you said. I don't want to get into all that. So if I present you with that dilemma, Chris, this amount of money is significant to, to my family. It's something I can do, but I don't have a piece. I don't have a piece with signing the agreement. Well, that's because you're going off your past experiences. So I'm calling you up on the phone. Hey, Spiels, here's the situation. What do you got for me here? What do you think? I'm going to say, I'm going to talk to the person. So you're giving me your word that you're not going to hold me to this content that I have to produce. I have to mm-hmm. produce this amount of content, not the amount of content produced in your contract. That By I'm the way, I don't, I don't know the person very well. I have a, I don't know them at all. It doesn't actually. matter. Okay. It would matter to me if it was somebody that I've known for here, a long time and trusted. Okay. Well, here, here's to me, here's how I would handle that. First of all, you have an obligation to provide to your family. You have an opportunity in front of you that maybe God wants you to take for whatever the purpose is. Now, because other people are held to a different standard than you are and that they're using a standard contract for you, I don't have a problem with it at all. I'm going to call the person and say, are you completely sure? And do you give me, I know it's not in the contract, but are you giving me your word and what used to be known in this world as a handshake? Mm Mm-hmm. Deal. Now, now it's be, an elbow bump. Now it'll be an elbow bump or whatever. An elbow bump deal. <laughs> then I'm going to trust you and I'm going to take the job. That's a no-brainer for me. That is the absolute no-brainer for me. And because I'm signing, because I have to sign it for legal reasons, I'm not signing But I know what our agreement is. I know what the agreement that you and I have. You know the agreement that you and I have. And I'm just going to live to the agreement 
<clears throat> that I make with you that we talked about, even though this contract says something different. This is what you and I talked about. You know it, and I know it, and I can live with that. Okay. Good. Well, we haven't reached a we haven't reached a decision on that yet. So we'll. I just does that to see does that what what do you how do you does that change your mind or does that make you think about it a little bit or? Um, some of it is in line with what I think, and some of it is in line is not in line. With, what's in what's not in line? The Let not me. in line thing is I can't reach a peace with signing something that I know in my heart. I have a nagging, like don't okay. sign that. Well, that's you and. I don't think that's a spiritual thing at all. See, I think it is. It's like I don't. I've, I've prayed about Lord. If you want, if this is okay for me to do this, give me a peace with it. Okay. And I don't have a peace with it. Well, yet. here's here's my thing. I've done this with ESPN. I've had experience with this. Hey, we're going to pay you this amount in the contract. It's going to say you have to do twenty five events because that's a standard contract. Mm -hmm. But we're only going to have you do seventeen. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't even. I didn't even think about but it. But you would do the twenty-five if, if I'm asked to do the yeah. twenty-five. Yes, I would do the twenty-five. Yeah, the difference is I can't do. Then you tell them and be a good dad and a good husband. Well, then all I you have to do. do is tell them, just so you know, or have a lawyer look at it and say, "By the way, if you ask me to do what's in this contract, I'm just going to tell you that I can't." Yeah, that's all you have to do. Okay. We'll see where it goes. Was, does that help you if they yeah, agree to no, that? it does help me. We'll, yeah, we'll have that conversation and we'll keep people updated on. Uh, I will do. Here's a. I will do what you and I talked about and agreed on the number that I need to reach for you. I will promise you. I will I'll get that you'll done. Promise you'll do that. Yeah. But because of your standard contract, I'm just going to put in there. If you ask me to do more, I'm going to say that I can't do more. Uh, or whatever legal ease you can put in there yeah. to put your mind at peace. There, we we've come to a solution. I I wouldn't. I don't. I wouldn't no, think twice about it. I wouldn't think twice. No, heck no. Okay. No way. Because I think I I look at it like this. Too, and you know this is this doesn't mean I'm right or you're right. I'm wrong or you're wrong. It doesn't matter. It's just how you look at it. Like my I talked about the babysitting job. Mm -hmm. That my step one of my stepdaughters and my youngest daughter got in the neighborhood because two parents are working from home and they need somebody and daycares are closed. So they needed somebody. Yep. And I said to them, you know, how lucky are you two when we have 1 million people unemployed in our state mm -hmm. and collecting unemployment that you two are able to generate an income. It would be irresponsible of you not to take this job. And not only are you taking the job because you're going to generate your own income, but you're taking this job because people need you to take this job so they can do their job. Correct. That's great. Okay. That's helping people out. Everybody but, help, help but the point other. is you have a chance to take a job, to provide a service. It's something that you're extremely talented in providing in a service. I think... I'm just giving this for you to think about. Mm -hmm. It would be irresponsible of you not to take the job to provide and help provide for a wife and three children that are going to have colleges, college tuitions. They're going to have bills. They're going to have weddings. They're going to have graduation parties. I'm well aware. 
yeah, I, so I, 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 yeah. I don't, I, I really don't see the moral dilemma that you're facing. I really don't. You don't see the moral dilemma in signing your name to something that you know you can't do. I'm signing That's my name big, to something. Big moral dilemma for me. Well, I'm signing my name to something with an understanding and an agreement. Whether it's an, I'm good on an elbow bump because I'm going to hold. Hey, I'm fine. I held up my end of the bargain. I held up my end, and they asked me, "Well, you got to do this." No, no, I don't. We had a conversation. I have it. I know it. You know it. You know the truth. You set the truth. You made the agreement. You're not being deceitful at all. They're doing it because, <laughs> for whatever reason, for their paperwork. That's why they're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Not because they're going to. They're trying to trick you into getting you to do more. I'll just say, well, no, I resign. When they, if they ask you to do more, just say, no, I'm I'm done. I resign. That wasn't our agreement. You know it, and I know it. You want me to do more? I resign. So what do you have to lose? Nothing. All okay. you have to do is resign if they ask you to do that. What's the point? I don't get it. Okay. Well, we'll see where it goes. Oh man. Okay. Okay. I, I, I don't. But I don't understand. I I mean, I I get it, but that's not. It's just. It's just. At a convenience. It's a peace thing. I big. I'm a big advocate of having internal peace. Uh, but, when, particularly on things I've prayed about a okay, lot. Well, here's the thing. A lot. All you have to do is say, I'm going to be completely honest with you. If you ask me to do what's in the contract, I'm going to resign. There, it's solved. Then they make the decision whether you want to do it or not. Just so you know, I'm signing this, but we have our agreement. But so we're clear. And so I can have inner peace. If you ask me to do what I told you I couldn't do, I am resigning. That's good advice. Okay. I like that. I like that a lot. Very good. That's why I'm here. That's why you're the best, man. That's yeah. right. I appreciate that. Uh, we will be back on Friday, and we'll be giving away $1,000. And you could be someone who gets the privilege of giving the good news to a friend by yeah. saying, hey, I nominated you on the Spielman Hooley podcast, and you won. And you can't do that, of course, if you don't nominate someone, Spielman Hooley podcast at gmail.com. Could we have uh, whoever's in charge of the At We Tackle Twitter account? Do you get know that, that person? Out, get that out right away. I'll see if I can find him here in our vast <laughs> office space. Are they up they, yet? I think they got it are out. They, are they? <laughs> You're talking to them. In fact. Oh, I thought of the other minions that we have no, working no, no, for us. No, 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 no. That's me. Oh. I got it out last night. Didn't I? Was it last night or the night before? It's out. Okay. You didn't see it, huh? So you were saying No, that, I, I saw the at we tackle where Rick Spielman has three million. Yeah, no, it's out. The winners are out. No, One of them was even no, tweeted. Back. I'm talking about the, the not how to nominate people. How are we oh, doing our nominations? That. How many yeah. nominations? Are well we? over, well over a hundred nominations. Oh, cool. you want that? Yes, I need to get that out more often. Yes, yes. thank you. And how to do it and all that. And how stuff. to do it and all that. Yes, get I mean, that out today. As we release the podcast, you're the CEO, of course. I don't want to tell you. I'm just the lowly chairman okay. of the board. But I'm a servant leader. I take uh, <laughs> suggestions from all those who are uh, parts of our success. <laughs> Modest, though it may be. <laughs> oh, it's great to see. You. Yeah, I was just thinking today. You know what? It's really fun to have you back yeah, out just, here at the house. I enjoy you coming out. I know you're like no, mixed, mixed I, I feelings. Just get, on coming I out just here. get frustrated with the drivers. What is this Raccoon Boulevard? Or yeah, what? Raccoon Boulevard. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is the name of the road? Smith Calhoun Road. Okay. <laughs> now that everybody knows where to come and vandalize my house. Be, Watch so, out for the big dogs. You're so, you're so no, don't worry. You, you'll never find it. By the way, even if you do know, 
Yeah. But just again, somebody's riding my rear end this morning. What is wrong with these? What is the speed limit on, uh, on I, Raccoon I, I Boulevard? Would tell, I would tell you they're trying to get to the Dare Dutchman for donuts, but I know they're not allowed to go in there and have them in-house in Do you know right what now. the speed limit is on Raccoon Boulevard? I believe it's uh, 40. Okay. But it never observed. I was 43 today, yeah, and no, I had two people riding oh, my yeah, rear end. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. It's unbelievable, these yeah. people out here. Yep. The hinterlands are wild men they out here. They are wild men. They're crazy. Crazy people. We love them. All right, so we'll be back Friday. Get your nominations in. Spielman Hooley Podcast at gmail.com.